The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor-comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. I guess this hour has uh, 25 years plus of uh, professional experience as a senior human resource executive and has authored a new book that I think is coming out tomorrow called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love and Business. Let me say this again. Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life by uh, my guest Layla Taraf, who joins me by phone. Layla, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tom. I'm happy to be here. Um, Layla, I guess, uh, did I I get it right? Does the book come out tomorrow? It does. Tomorrow's pub day, as they say. (laughs) Well, congratulations, and and I hope it does very well for you. But I have to ask, right out of the the title, there brought two questions to mind, and I'll I'll just go ahead and ask them both, and and you can go where you want with them. Um, Okay. Strong like water. I'm not sure that I get the analogy. Okay. And the other is, what does love have to do with business? Boy, you start out with strong questions. Okay, let me see if I can if I can answer them. <laughs> well, the title, Strong Like Water, uh, it took me a long time to come up with this one, but there was a Chinese philosopher uh, that was around uh, in 600 B.C. His name was Lao Tzu, and he wrote 81 verses at the time, and he called them the Tao Te Ching. I don't know if you've heard of it, but these verses were really about the... Um, innate duality and paradoxical nature of life. 
And one of the verses was called Be Like Water, is called Be Like Water. And in it, he says, whatever is soft and yielding is more powerful, is stronger than what is hard and rigid. And in this way, what is soft is strong. And it's funny because people who have heard of of this quote, Be Like Water, are Bruce Lee fans because he adopted it. Um, And um, so I called my book Strong Like Water because that has been my lesson in this life, that strength comes in lots of shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's tough and demanding and direct, but a lot of times it's soft, it's yielding, it's empathetic, it's compassionate, it's vulnerable. And that kind of leads into your second question. What does love have to do with business? Turns out everything, (laughs) right? Because we're full human beings and we have hearts and we feel and we care. And especially, you know, if if you might have taken issue with this before 2020, but as a leader post-pandemic, you can't argue that if you don't care about your employees, in fact, love them, uh, then um, you're going to have a pretty tough life. Your, your organization is probably not going to be successful. You started out your career um, really being, thinking that you needed to be really tough. Yes. How did, how did you turn the corner and, and realize that, that tough isn't strength? Well, for me, I had um, I had a pretty tough father, and so he was my model for what strength was. And um, I just always uh, leaned into being super strong and capable, and wouldn't really allow anyone to help me. No, no, I got. It. And it wasn't until life handed me uh, a series of of devastating losses. First, my husband, when my daughter was only three and then my father, and then my mother in pretty quick succession. Um, And so it wasn't until I experienced that level of loss in my life that it just brought me to my knees, and I realized I couldn't tough it out. I couldn't intellectualize those losses, tuck them away, and muscle through it. I suppose I could have, but I would have become very emotionally brittle, and I didn't want to live my life that way, and I knew I couldn't raise my daughter to uh, grieve in a healthy way if I myself didn't allow myself to feel and to be vulnerable and really to break down before I could build myself back up again. You um, have been quoted as uh, saying, I have come to see that true power comes from connecting your head to your heart. How do you, how do you make that connection? You know, our, our heads and hearts are often at odds. Okay. Yeah, it's a great question. I think our hearts uh, don't have words, right? The language of the heart is feeling. And the key is to um, make space so that you can hear the messages coming from your heart, which I didn't do for a very long time, right? If, if I felt something I didn't want to feel, I would just push it down and allow, allow my head, my ironclad will, as I said, to just kind of override it. And I think how you do that is you get still, you get calm, you listen to what's coming up, you allow yourself to feel 
uh, crummy or whatever it is in that moment that you're trying to push away, you lean into this, the discomfort. I know it sounds simple, but it's really, really hard. Most of us, myself at the top of the list, if I felt badly, I just ignored it and distracted myself and pushed it away so that I almost forgot that I even had that feeling. So you, 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 lose, you lose the signal after a while, and you have to reconnect back to that signal. Our bodies, our hearts are very, very wise. We just have to listen to them. I've always had this, uh, this saying of mind over what's the matter. um, am I going wrong there you know I don't think it's a simple answer I think these coping mechanisms that we develop get us through really rough patches in our life so uh, the fact that I could rise above uh, things that I didn't want to deal with was actually what saved me uh, growing up uh, you know I had a rather difficult childhood so I think there is wisdom in mind over what, what's, ma- what's the matter, but only to a certain point. Then when you start lying to yourself about what's really, really going on, then that's really where it starts to hurt us, right? It's, yeah. you know, it, it saves us, and then it begins to hold us back. And I think the wisdom is determining when that is. How do you, how do, you do that and apply it to a, a, a professional environment how do you go from um what enforcing uh, the rules and the policies Mm -hmm. and procedures to um to to having concern and compassion you know i think the way that it starts um is to just start asking questions to not assume that you have all the answers to allow yourself to be seen as uh, a little more vulnerable, someone that doesn't have all the answers. You know, when you're young, I think, especially in business, I certainly felt like I needed to have all the answers and that I needed to add value every minute. Well, yeah, <laughs> you're, t- you're brushing up against... There, there are two, three-word fra- uh, phrases that I think some people have a very difficult time with, and that's, I love you and I don't know. Yeah. That's so true. It's so true. Here's the big here's the big secret that no one ever tells you when when you're just starting your career. Nobody knows. They just we're all just trying to figure it out every single day. And the world right now is so complex. There's so much we don't know. We can't pretend anymore that we have it all figured out. It's coming at us fast and furiously. <laughs> and the best leaders right now say, uh, I don't know what this is, but you know what? Let's come together and figure it out together. It takes a little bit of humility, a little bit of vulnerability, and and coming together because we can only do this together to figure it out. And that's really actually what makes you stronger. If you If you don't allow yourself to show a little bit of humility and vulnerability, you pretty much end up on an island by yourself because people realize they can't talk to you they can't tell you the people will try and if they feel like you're not hearing them then they just they just move on are the idea of being a compassionate leader is is compassion one of the qualities of a good leader and has it always been i believe it is 
and we use the word compassion in business now more freely than we used to. I think some some other uh, words that we've used is caring, concerned, empathetic. Uh, I think people are people are people before their employees. And uh, I used to have this sticky on my computer for years that said, uh, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, I think it is that quality of caring about the person beyond their value to the organization as an employee that people get very quickly. And if they feel that you do care about them as people, they will, they will give you what we call uh, discretionary effort. They'll go above and beyond um, but they have to know that you care. Uh, Nolan Bushnell, who um, was the, the founder of Atari and Atari. Chuck E. Cheese and a, a number of other things, he's also credited with giving Steve Jobs his first job. Um, he wrote a book called Finding the Next Steve Jobs, and in it he argued that um, that corporations and, and large businesses were basically going around going about recruitment all wrong that it isn't what's on the paper what's on the resume it's finding out what people care about that helps you pick the best fit and you know he was saying that that interviews should be should be very different and I was just curious what your thoughts are on that that's interesting well I think people connect on a very personal level so if you're spending the entire interview talking about skills and, and previous experience you're not connecting at a deeper level and you also aren't uh, really um, determining what the person is all about so I think there is there is wisdom in that in that comment. You know, once you check a few of the boxes that the person has the type of background that you need in terms of their skills, then you really need to get into the kind of person they are. When I'm interviewing all, someone, I always think about how is this person going to show up when things go sideways? Because they always <laughs> go sideways. That's right. right? <laughs> and am I going to be able to have a really honest conversation with them where... Uh, they're not defensive, where we can say, oh, gosh, we really messed up over here. What are we going to do? Or do I get a sense this person will be defensive, lead with ego, won't make the space for the conversation? That's really what it comes down to um, because we're, we all make mistakes. The question is um, how do you show up when, when a mistake's been made? Do you own it or do you get defensive and try to hide it? And we don't get better unless we own the mistake, we recognize it, we unpack it, and we capture the learnings and, and move forward. This is what's called the growth mindset these days, right? Not a fixed mindset. It's the, the, that's how you learn is through the mistakes. Layla, I have to take a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Great. My guest is uh, Layla Taraf. She is the author of a new book called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business 
and in life. And we're going to talk some more about that with uh, Layla after we let our broadcast partners squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we're going to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more with Layla Giraffe right after Hello, this. darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org. 
or call the Foot River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. The Tom Sumner Program.com Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue now with my conversation with uh, Senior Human Resource Executive and author of a new book coming out tomorrow called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. Her name is um, Layla Taraf, and... Uh, She's with me by phone. Layla, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, and sorry to make you sit through all that. No problem. Thank you. Um, we were talking a little bit about just sort of defining uh, some elements of, of the title in the last segment, and you mentioned sort of parenthetically that you had a, uh, um, a, a kind of tough childhood, and you had some some serious emotional things that that happened to you what was the was there a light bulb moment um a eureka moment when you realized that um somehow you had to to figure out a way to inject love into both your professional and personal life we we historically have been taught to sort of keep those separate that's a great question. I can think of, you know, professionally, when I got out of business school, um, I was one of the first uh, few people hired at the Internet Division of Walmart, Inc. that uh, was set up out here in Silicon Valley. And I remember at the time um, there was um, a female CEO. Her name was Jean Jackson, whom I reported to. And she she was definitely tough. And there was a day when we were sitting in a meeting and it, was, it ran long and I was feeling very bored. And as the meeting ended, she asked me to come into her room and she scared me because I knew I'd done something wrong, but I didn't know what. She looked at me and said, I can't believe how disrespectful you were in that meeting. And I didn't know what I'd done. But apparently I'd been slouching and sort of showing that I was so bored. And she looked at me and said, the value of those meetings is not getting things done. It's bringing people along. I, I just, I, I didn't even know what that meant. It, it probably took me two years to unpack that comment. And really what she was saying is, um, cool your jets. It's not about checking things off of your list and getting things done. It's about making sure everybody understands and you've brought them all along and they feel like they're part of the process. And that was very early in my career, in my, uh, in my early mid-30s, where it was the first time I heard, wait, it's not about like getting an A and doing it really well and better and faster than anybody. It's about bringing others along and caring about them and bringing them on the journey. That, was, that really, really stuck in my mind because here was a senior, very experienced leader. She had been a senior executive at Disney and Banana Republic, and that was the first time someone had said it that plainly to me. And that really rooted in my psyche, and uh, I started to to unpack that over the following, you know, decade or so. But I was reading uh, something something about you that that indicated 
you had a tough time with personal relationships. It, it's almost like you were getting a handle on, on how to care about people professionally, but maybe not mm-hmm. so much personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, in my personal life, I was afraid to get too close. And so my relationships were just a, a little more superficial. Uh, because again, it, true connection comes from intimacy, and intimacy comes from allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to risk being hurt and to open up, and that just was not in my playbook. I kept my heart closed. My relationships looked fine on the outside. They were happy and, 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 and carefree, but they lacked depth. And I really didn't understand that. If you would have said something to me at the time uh, to that effect, I would have denied it. I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see that. I had many, many relationships, but they were very shallow. They were very superficial because I kept my heart so protected. And if you don't risk, you know, being hurt, you don't, you don't get love either. They both come in the same package, unfortunately. Did you... Um did you have an aha moment where all of a sudden you realized, oh, I'm, I'm doing this wrong, I need to do this differently? Or was it something that, that grew over time? It was, I, I don't think I fully learned that lesson until my husband passed away. Mm. Um, it was in that moment that, uh, that the loss was put upon me. I did a masterful job staying away from any sort of hurt up until that moment in my life. I would explain it away. I would distract myself. But you can't do that when someone dies. And really the reason why I uh, allowed myself to, to really break down was because I could tell very quickly I would not be able to support my daughter, who at the time was three, through that process, through that grieving process, if I myself didn't do it. I honestly, Tom, I would have tried to avoid it. I really would have. That's how afraid I was to allow myself to feel and to be hurt. Um, but I knew that I couldn't do it uh, and, and have my daughter uh, deal with it in a healthy way. I, didn't, I wasn't strong enough to do it for myself, but I had to do it for her. And then the lucky thing is then I was able to heal myself. You know, I've, I've been sitting here wondering, and I'm not even sure how to frame this question, but in this day and age where we are seeing lots of reports of inappropriate um, advances and touching in the workplace and so on, where where is the line between being warm and friendly and compassionate and um and and the idea of being appropriate yeah of of somehow being um too close that's such a great question i it's a very it's a very complicated and tricky time right now i think uh there's a lot of people who uh, because they're nervous that they're going to do or say something that will be taken the wrong way, um, have retreated. And um, I think that's, that's a shame. 
you know, the Greeks have a lot of different words for love. Not all love is romantic, lustful love, right? There's the love for a child, the love for a parent, uh, friendship, the love you have for your friends. Um, that's, that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about uh, lustful, romantic love. We're, we're talking about kindness, about caring, uh, uh, about um, being empathetic. So I, I think it's part of that is just reframing <clears throat> what it really means to be kind and caring at work. And it doesn't mean uh, that you can't uh, be a little more familiar with each other uh, as long as, um, you know, you don't cross that line into the romantic piece, which is also hard, right? Because when I got out of college, you know, 25 years ago, that's how you met your spouse was at work. And so it, it does make it a, a little tricky. You just have to be really careful these days. I, but more generally, you can't care about someone. I, I was thinking about, uh, <laughs> as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about President uh, Joe Biden and there were people who um, reported times when he became too familiar. But, but Joe Biden has always been a real old school, you know, huggy, yeah. touchy kind of person. And are we, do we have to learn a new way of showing affection and compassion for people can can we no longer put a hand on someone's shoulder to be reassuring oh gosh i hope not i really hope not i i, I am not the expert here but uh, you know what i mean he was I, just one of those old school politicians that you know um like a football player patting another football player yeah. on the rump or you know um touching someone or um I, I saw a minister once putting his hand on a young man's knee in the in the waiting room in a dentist's office, and mm-hmm. and the boy looked at, up at him like, "Why are you touching me, sir?" <laughs> you know, and and it was this awkward moment that that wasn't intended to be, you know, in any way. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you know, when does comfort to... become uncomfortable? Yeah, it's a great question. I. I I wonder if um, having a certain level of trust has something to do with here, right? I, I, I mean, if, um, if you and I know each other and I know you care about me and we've developed a certain level of trust between us, then if you put your hand on my shoulder if I, you know, and say, hey, gosh, are you feeling okay? I'm not going to take it the wrong way. Uh, I, I think now collectively in, in the world there's just a lot of mistrust there's a lot of you know polarization happening we're not cutting each other slack I say this all the time at work now be generous in how you evaluate people uh, don't assume malintent you know presume positive intent um, and on the other hand um, just be more aware I think we just have to cut each other a little bit of slack. We think we have to develop some trust, and I think we have to show up a little more vulnerably. All those things together, I hope, will start to repair what is happening in in the world today. But I really hope that it doesn't mean that we have to go to the other side and become sterile and rigid and like robots with each other. What's the fun of that? What's going to happen with 
professional relationships, leadership, uh, human resources, and so on after the COVID-19, after the pandemic, um, in in what people are obliquely referring to as the new normal? Yeah. Well, I don't know that anybody knows. Certainly there is going to be... um, a new way of working. I don't know that we will ever go back to five days a week, nine to five. There are tech companies who are being bold and saying you never have to come back into the office. I don't think that's going to be the new normal for most companies, uh, especially if you're a, a company that creates things. You have to touch them, feel them. Um, but I do think there's going to be a lot more flexibility in how we work, that it'll probably be a hybrid workforce. And um, I think that we will have to implicitly care about our employees as people. You know, uh, we've been saying, I think, for over a decade now, bring your whole self to work, that we want to know all of you. And I think employers now are having to look at their employees as whole people because they have to care about them, uh, about their physical health and about their emotional well-being in a way that we didn't have to 10, 15 years ago, right? Because COVID not only has, uh, um, you know, there's obviously the physical um, concerns, but there's also the psychological and there's the emotional effects of, you know, of isolation, of everything that's happening around us. So um, employers are going to have to um, offer benefits for emotional and physical well-being. Um, in a bigger way than they've ever had in the past. Is is it possible to to build that kind of um, trust and and do the relationship building that um, is essential to uh, having a successful team electronically? I think it's harder. I think real human connection comes one on one, right there. We have these things called mirror neurons, and, and we feel into another person. I think mean, Zoom is, is great, but it does not replace human connection. So uh, I, I think trust uh, has to come from human connection. And I think for most companies, we will continue to have human connection. Um, it'll just be a little more flexible. You think even in those uh, scenarios where people are doing most of their work from home, there will still be opportunities uh, for them to meet their co-workers face-to-face and 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 as that uh, that one boss you had um, said to, to bring <laughs> them along bring them along absolutely absolutely we we're really looking forward to getting back into the office there's still a lot of fear right now uh, and so we're taking it slow we're having a slow glide path as we say through the end of the year but we're beginning to invite people back as early as this summer um, there's, there's a lot of people in California, um, are getting vaccinated and we think the next few months we'll be able to come together safely, right? Uh, and, and less of a capacity than we were before, but we're excited about it. Yeah. I get my second shot on, uh, Wednesday and I've had, Yay. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I've had the 4th of July just fixed in my mind ever since president biden said <laughs> he predicted the that, 100 days no no he he predicted that at the rate that uh, vaccines were happening 
that uh, we might be able to relax a little bit by the 4th of July. That's right. And, and cook that's out right. with a few neighbors or family and, you know, some friends in small groups. But, but I have Doesn't it, that sound great? I, I, I have it just, it's locked in my head. It's like a big red square on the calendar that, you know, on the 4th of July, I'm having that cookout. <laughs> Well, Tom, I get my second shot on Saturday. Oh, good for you. And our return to work date is July 6th. So, see, We're, I think that's kind of what's happening. We're on the same timeline. Yeah, I, and, and I hope that that timeline holds true. I, You know, I, my show is based in Michigan, and, you know, we're, you know, we've got horrible surging going on right now in in cases of uh, yeah. positive uh, cases and hospitalizations, and that's a little scary. It is. It absolutely is. Let's think positively on that one. Well, I, I'm I'm hoping that the race to vaccinate people will eventually rule out. I hope so too. I hope so too. So. Um, What's what's next for uh, for Layla? The book comes out tomorrow, and you'll be book comes out tomorrow. You'll be promoting yep. the book. Um, did you end up getting the bug to do some more writing, or did was this book? Uh, I have. You knew that, didn't you? <laughs> I had a feeling. I have. <laughs> you know, the, uh, this book. It's been described as a leadership book cleverly disguised as a memoir and um and <laughs> some of the reviews that i that i've been reading um say things like wow um i thought this was going to be a dry leadership book but it's it's an amazing story it's emotional it's inspirational there are leadership insights and that makes me so happy because uh for a long time as i was writing it i was told oh well, it needs to be a, what they call a how-to so first you do this, then you do this. And I I just didn't have energy for that. But now I think I might have energy for more of a how-to. And I think, I think the how-to might just be how you grow as a company, how you succeed in business without losing your humanity. Because having to lead through this global pandemic has really put such a fine point on that. It's just, just not optional anymore. To, to care about uh, your employees deeply and support them in ways that we couldn't have even imagined 10 years ago. So I, I think there's something there. So that's kind of what I'm noodling on. Have you been surprised at, at how well some companies and organizations have been able to adapt? I, you know... Not really. I guess I still have faith in human nature. I think it's pretty evident, especially for smaller companies, <laughs> that if you can show up and be there for your employees, they'll do the same for you. And in some ways, this pandemic has shown us what is really, really important. And it's the small moments. It's not the big things, right? As someone asked me the other day, what are you grateful for? I said, these days, I'm just grateful that the sky is blue. Because last year when we woke up and it's got, the sky was orange out here because of the California fires, yeah, it just really hits you that how lucky we have been, like what the gifts you have in your life that you don't even notice, 
like clean air and blue skies. And so I think now I tend to focus on the small gifts, the, the, the moments that are wonderful instead of looking for the big things uh, and appreciate those. And I think that's how we get through this. What, what uh, made you decide to, to write the book? I found that I started to, um, well, after, after the, the, three, the three deaths, I took a sabbatical from my work. The company was sold, and I took a year off, and I journaled extensively, and I had all these insights come up. And when I shared them with people, more often than not, they'd say, oh, gosh, that's so profound. You should, you should write something. You should, you should share this. This is really, really good. And I realized that the insights I was having, though the details uh, of, of what had happened were personal and were mine, the learnings and the insights that I was having were actually universal. And I just thought if I, I remember being in the depths of, you know, sort of being lost and wondering, who am I? What have I done? How could I have gotten here? How could I have gotten this so wrong? and needing a map to get out. <laughs> and I thought to myself, if I can be that light for somebody who's going through a rough time in their lives to help them, if, if one of my insights, my learnings, can be the thing that gives them hope, I want to do that. What, what more is there in this life? Aren't we all just trying to help each other make our way through, get back to ourselves? That's really why I wrote it. Well, this is a, a wonderful conversation, Layla, and I really appreciate you spending this time with me this morning. Um, Layla Tariff, or Taraf, rather, is uh, my guest. She's the author of a book uh, that comes out tomorrow called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. Um, Layla, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about obviously the book comes out tomorrow and that's a great place to start but do you have a website i do my website is layla tara ah, layla com, and uh there is a page for my book and there's all sorts of buttons there that you can buy it on different online retailers from amazon to to books uh to barnes and noble and it'll be in bookstores uh starting tomorrow well, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Best of luck with the book. Thank you so much, Tom. It was nice to be here. And, and I'm really curious to see what the next book's going to be. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> me too. All right. Take care. Bye-bye now. That was uh, Layla Taraf. Again, uh, the book is uh, coming out tomorrow called Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. And uh, Layla is a uh, senior human resource executive with 25 years of professional experience. And uh, she worked, um, well, she graduated uh, from the University of California, Berkeley, and became one of the founding team members at Walmart.com. Then she was the uh, chief pe people officer at Pete's Coffee and Tea, an iconic Bay Area premium coffee company. Anyway, um, we're going to take a short break and let our broadcast partners at... Uh, 
WFOV 92.1 LPFM in Flint. Squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. If uh, you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. Then I shall return for the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. I'll be right back. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, You should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them, in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. 
Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Another familiar type of love song is the passionate or fiery variety, usually in tango tempo, in which the singer exhorts his partner to haunt him and taunt him and, if at all possible, to consume him with a kiss of fire. This particular illustration of this genre is called the masochism tango. I ache for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Let our love be a flame, not an ember. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand. Ugh. It's here that I must be My heart entreats Just hear those savage beats And go put on your cleats And come and trample me Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany That's why I'm in such exquisite agony My soul is on fire It's a flame with desire Which is why I perspire when we tango my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love, every time I hear drums. And I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. 
has cast a spell that bewitches The last time I needed twenty stitches To sew up the gash that you made with your lash As we dance to the masochism tango Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain Then kick me once again and say we'll never part I know too well I'm underneath your spell So darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart Excuse me Take your cigarette from its holder And burn your initials in my shoulder Fracture my spine and swear that you're mine As we dance to the massacre tango This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Why don't you 
Won't you come over, baby, and hold me? I'm lonely, that's why. Why don't you come see me, baby? Why don't you come over? Why don't you stop on by, baby? I feel a little lonely. it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Of course, I'll be back tomorrow with another uh, group of uh, great conversations, starting with Chuck Collins, who's written a book about how the very wealthy uh, spend millions to hide trillions. Um, Let's see, Chuck is, uh, I'm going to try and find the title of Chuck's book here. It's, uh, Oh, it's called The Wealth Hoarders. That was simple. And uh, and lots more coming up tomorrow. But I want to say thanks to my guests today. Uh, starting with, uh, of course, this last hour, Layla Taraf, talking about her book, Strong Like Water, How I Found the Courage to Lead with Love in Business and in Life. And uh, also uh, talking to... Um, Oh, who do we have? Oh, Renee Jefferson talking about her book, Shortlisted. Fascinating conversation, and we uh, kicked it off this morning with Stephanie Heath, who uh, is uh, also in the human relations, um, or human resources field, uh, top career development coach, and uh, talking about LinkedIn and and other ways of networking and preparing yourself to uh, find work. that's smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'm looking forward to a time when we can get out and do the show uh, on location, and maybe you can come out and see us. Anyway, that uh, that wraps it up, so I'll be back tomorrow at 9. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show. 
and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.